welcome to the Own Your Epic podcast. My name is Jay Dostal, author of the book Own Your Epic, Leadership Lessons in Owning Your Voice and Your Story. In this podcast, I highlight the stories and voices of educators across the country who are making a difference in schools and uncover what makes them exceptional leaders in their field. By sharing the voices and stories of others, we can all learn to appreciate that each of us is the author of our own epic and our experiences are relatable to others, if we are willing to share them. Let's get started on the Own Your Epic process. Welcome to the Own Your Epic podcast. This is Jay Dostal, and uh, I've been looking forward to having this conversation with uh, with my guests for quite some time, and I saved it towards uh, the end of my transition from one school to another. So uh, it's it's been on the docket for a while. We've just been trying to match up schedules, but uh, he is a an outstanding professional, uh, a great friend, a good man, a good father, and I'm not going to spoil the introduction. I'm going to have him do that for himself. So. Why don't you uh, tell us who you are and what you do? Well, Dr. Dostal, thank you for having me. Uh, love your book. Uh, really enjoyed reading it. Really enjoyed the reflection piece on, on how, you, how you structured your book to make you really think back to you know, your own journey. So I, ho- I hope you're having great success with that. I really enjoyed it. Uh, but again, I serve as a district athletic director for Fable Public Schools. I'm in my eighth year. Um, I'm married to uh, Meredith, and we have four kids, Luke, Noah, Jacob, and uh, baby Grace, and they're all spread out through, Luke just graduated high school, and, and it was awesome yes, sir. to be on the sta- same stage with you and, and, and to have that special moment with Luke, uh, and he's going to the University of Arkansas right across the street, so very special. So um, before, I, before I became an athletic director, I was a high school and college football coach, and it led me into athletic administration. Uh, and to me, it's it's a phenomenal profession to be a part of. I love everything about it. So, how how did that transition come about? Because I think that everybody has this uh, these coaches, and as a former mm-hmm. coach myself, you know, you glamorize this idea of yeah, you know, I want to be a high school or college football coach, and you're in it, and then you make a pivot to athletic administration at the high school level. I mean, how? How, how do you, how do you come about to that decision? You know that's that's a that's a very good question, and it was a very difficult scenario at the time. So, when I played my last high school football game, I I was devastated that my athletic career was going to be over, and I just knew I wanted to be involved in athletics somehow. And I came up and did my undergrad at the University of Arkansas and started volunteering for the Razorback football program. Who was the coach at the time then? Danny Ford. Okay. Danny Ford. And that's a unique story on its own. Um, I'll maybe have that for another day, but ended up becoming a graduate assistant under Houston Nutt under the Razorback football program. Uh, And that opened so many doors for me. I got to travel the SEC, a little bit of recruiting, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and just was it was a dream come true for me. I never played college football. I think I was the first graduate assistant for the Razorback football program that did not play college football. Um, so it was a big, big honor for me to be a part what of that. What position did you primarily work with? I started I started out with quarterbacks, and then when uh, he hired me on as a graduate assistant, I worked with the offensive line, which I fell hey. in love with. So you can imagine me, a 5'9 <laughs> guy out there coaching these 6'5", uh, 6'6", six, 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 you know, 300-pound strong men, uh, but I loved it because that's where the game is played. 
Um, and then that led to me going out to the East Coast, uh, East Carolina University as the tight end coach and recruiting coordinator under John Thompson. Spent two great years there. Uh, but I had my first son, Luke, um, out in North Carolina. And at that point, uh, recruiting was so, so tough. You're, you're out on the road uh, all month long. Uh, and at first it was, you know, it was glamorous, it was fun, it was cool. But then, you know, in that second year, those walls start coming in on you a little bit and you miss, you miss your wife and you're not being able to see your firstborn. Uh, so I made a huge transition from college to high school. Uh, and that was a big one. Uh, because once you get into college coaching, you're kind of in it. I mean, you can be recycled as you see today. Every two to three years, you're, you're looking for, you're either getting fired or you're getting another, another job. And I thought I wanted to have, it was more important for me to have a family. And so I got out of co college coaching and uh, went to high school coaching and spent nine years at a high school uh, down in Hebrew Springs area, uh, right on the lake, it was awesome, and they made me the AD. And I didn't know anything about athletic administration, uh, but I uh, had nine, nine uh, great years, had four kids, um, and then this job came open. And it was just um, by happenstance, it was in December, I think, uh, and I didn't even consider it, and I got a call, you know, would you be interested? And I really wasn't, because I just knew I wanted to coach the rest of my career. Uh, but the opportunity to be in Fable, to be in a flagship program uh, with a rich tradition of athletic accomplishments uh, was something that I just really did a lot of uh, reflection and prayer on, um, and interviewed, and got the job, and been here for eight years. Wow. And so to talk about that, it was one of the hardest things to hang up my whistle and not be directly associated with kids uh, in coaching and going to athletic administration. Because now I, I manage 87 coaches throughout the district and, and I did 99 or 95% of my, my meetings and, and dealings are with adults, very few with kids. And so that was a tough transition. But I fell in love with it because coaching's coaching, whether you're coaching kids, whether you're coaching coaches, uh, it's the same thing. And so it's, it's been a transition, but it's been one that's been very rewarding for me. You know, I want to touch on that point you just brought up because I think it's, it's so important. It's the conversation that I have with a lot of people who um, talk to me about wanting to go into administration, whether it be an assistant principal, principal, whatever. And I talk to them a lot about, you know, you know, I got into high school teaching and coaching because I love working with the kids. You know, I love my content. I love the sport I was coaching. I just love that engagement. And it's sometimes a very tough transition because when you make that transition from classroom teacher or coach to an administrative position, you are shifting and turning on a dime because your interactions are not with kids anymore, or very rarely with kids. Mm -hmm. It's with adults and it's with adult behavior. And so what has been kind of the biggest, and I, and I have this conversation with aspiring administrators, what's kind of been the biggest eye-opener for you when working with adults as compared to working with kids? Uh, I think there's probably a, a couple points that come to mind. First and foremost is when, as you know, when you're teaching or coaching, the impact that you have on students are immediate. I mean, you get to see it in real time. And that's very rewarding. And it's, it's very satisfying to see that type of impact that you have on students, 
right where they are in their particular life and you know that it's impactful. Uh, I think when you go into administration, that changes to a long-term impact. I mean, me and you uh, are, are wrapping up the designs of new facilities. What we have spent the past two years you know, on, a, on an almost daily basis is going to impact students for the long term. And I, and I also think that's the same way when you're dealing with adults. You're working with them to impact the kids on a daily basis, but you're working with them more on a long term range, trying to set them up professionally with development and, and real life experiences that they can pass along. And they're a little kids. bit tougher nut to crack too, because they have years of experience and their own ways of doing things, whereas kids may not have that experience and may not have the know-how. So trying to impact or change adult behaviors way different than trying to change, uh, you know, the impact or uh, the the behavior of a kid because that kid may not have that same amount of life experience as a, as an adult. So That's no. absolutely true. It's a lot more uh, time-consuming. It takes a lot more of different avenues of communication because you're dealing with so many different personalities that have been that particular way for a long particular time where when you're dealing with kids they're they're almost like a blank canvas I mean you can have such an impact on just your words your looks uh, how you look at a kid can and can impact a, a, a student uh, with adults you really got to study the craft of communication you really got to open your lens and that you've done a great job uh, helping me open a completely different lens on what someone might be thinking and, and understand that and really not judge it. You know, when, you, when you're dealing with students, sometimes you, you need to say that's right and that's wrong and this is the appropriate behavior, yada, yada, yada. But with adults, uh, not so much all the time. You have to understand where they're coming from and their background uh, and that can be difficult. I'm so glad you said that because uh, you and I have had multiple conversations over the years and I think you and I provide each other a good yin and yang like when you're uh, when you're pretty heated <laughs> I just sit there and I listen when I'm pretty heated you somehow come around and get me calmed down which is weird so I mean uh, I think that speaks to uh, the importance of the relationships especially in administration I know it happens in teaching but uh, with administration in particular because the world gets smaller and the number of people that you can talk to about specific issues becomes smaller and mm -hmm. if you don't have that outlet to be able to just throw ideas out and brainstorm and talk through scenarios it becomes a really lonely position and it can burn you out really quick. Have you have you ever gotten to that point where you felt like you were getting burnt out over, over the job? <laughs> My first two years. <laughs> First two years in Fable, this was, uh, this was, um, and I, again, I came from Division One college coaching, and, and so I was used to um, dealing with multiple, you know, people of, you know, whether they're boosters or, or supporters or whatever. But um, this job was was very difficult the first two years, and looking back on it, uh, I think the first two years I was like, I think I made a bad decision. I need to go back to coaching. <laughs> Uh, this isn't this isn't working out, uh, but now I know it's because I didn't have the relationships, and it takes time to build those relationships. And sometimes the seeds that you're planting don't don't have an opportunity to grow until years down the road. Until a for some, it takes a long term of evolving and seeing the consistency of who we are over time that those relationships start to build. 
so it, it, it can be, it, it was for me, the, the first two years of just full-time administration was very difficult because I came into an environment where I didn't have relationships with hardly anybody. And it took a lot of time to build those relationships. Now, uh, eight years later, uh, it's, it's phenomenal. I love coming to work because of the relationships. And a lot of those relationships were, were, were forged in fire, like right. me and you talked yeah. about. It's in, you, you, sometimes when you have the passion that you have and that I have, sometimes sparks fly. But once you pull back, never, never, <laughs> but they never. The great thing about it is, once you pull back, it's you, you, you want that because you know that the person you're dealing with believes in what they're talking about. They have a passion for yeah. it, and and that that is, um, it takes some experience to understand that that it's not being combative, it's passion, and yeah. you're trying to find the right thing for the overall holistic good of whatever student department facilities, whatever you're talking about. You know, I'm glad you glad you brought up that that whole notion of taking time. I remember uh, a superintendent that I used to work for shared something with me um, and said that you know when your knowledge or when your wisdom ever catches up with your knowledge, you're going to be really good at what you do. And it took me a while to to figure that out. And you know, I reflected on it, and yeah, you know, I know how to do a lot of different things. But without the experiences and the relationship, I don't have a lot of wisdom when it comes to it. You know, I'm in year 12 now. I feel like I've gained a lot of wisdom. It sounds like you have gained a lot of wisdom in in your group, uh, in your time as an as an AD. Talk to talk to me a little bit about because I'm still fascinated with the fact that you were college football coach <laughs> and now you're high school AD because those seem just like two totally different worlds. Like when I think of big-time college athletics, specifically in the SEC, you know, that, that's pretty cutthroat. Like, you've got these performance standards. If you don't hit them, you're gone. Yeah. Education is not necessarily that way. And so how, how big of an adjustment was that? Like, when you first come in, you're like, well, you got, you got to do this. Otherwise, you're not going to be here. And like, how, how much of an adjustment was that for you from going from like almost this cutthroat to maybe not so much? You know, um, so during my time in, in college coaching, um, everything was predicated on, on the win, okay? Um, and everybody knew it. And we would sit around, you know, you, you have your staffs. I was, a, I was an offensive coach, so we had an offensive staff of, of roughly nine nine individuals that uh, we met uh, and but the win was predicated on a lot of different factors uh, it wasn't just the end result that the spectators and the fans and everybody gets to see at the end of the game the, the wind building up to the wind uh, revolved around recruiting and that revolved around the relationships that you would have with high school coaches uh, around the country uh, then it revolved around cultivating uh, those student athletes, making sure that they stayed on track and became academically eligible so they, they could continue to perform, you know, at a, a collegiate level. Um, and then it took um, scheming, you know, just in, in the SEC, everybody's got Jimmys and everybody's got Joes. And so you really got to come down to recruiting and being able to now place the recruits that you went out and you handpicked and you evaluated and now putting them into the best position to be successful 
for the overall offense and defensive scheme. And so college coaching taught me a lot about relationships. It taught me a lot about uh, having a good team. When we would go into that film study and that offensive staff and those doors would close and the lights go off and we start watching film together, you knew you were in there with people that had one goal for all of us to succeed. I remember I worked for an offensive coordinator. He went on went to the Washington Redskins and he made a statement to me that I've always remembered. Uh, no matter what position you're coaching, all of our money touches each other. And so he's basically saying, in order for me to get paid and for me to have a job, you need to do your job. And you knew that that was one common theme that you shared and that you also had to cut out the distraction of what the media was saying or the polls were saying. You had to literally come in and do the job at hand. But you also knew your contract went from uh, June to June <laughs> and that you were easily replaced. Uh, so it, there was a lot of pressure at the time. You didn't think about that. I mean, you were caught up in, in, in your job. Transitioning to uh, high school was totally different. It was no longer about the win on a school board. It was about the development of the, the student. What can they gain to make them a better person, better individual, better citizen because of going through the program? Well, and I, I want to interject here because, yep. you know, we, we've talked about this. I, first of all, I appreciate you bringing everybody's money touches everybody's money because that's totally true. Um, but you know, even as a as a former college athlete myself, and I think it touches on what you're talking. Once you get to that that level, it's a job, mm -hmm. not only for the coaches but for the athletes as well. It's a job. You are investing a lot of time into that sport. Whereas high school athletics, to your point that I know you were getting to, is yeah, there's a successful teams put a lot of time into it, but it's more about the development of, in this case, the young men and sometimes women who are playing those high school sports. I mean, I, I talk about our coaches all the time, how much they pour into these kids who maybe don't have the greatest lives and how, mm -hmm. can, how can the sport transition them to being productive citizens in the community. And so um, you talk a little bit more about that, like what, when you're looking at coaches in particular, what do you want to see from coaches? Because obviously in a highly competitive market in a school like we're in, where you're going to get the cream of the crop of coaches, mm -hmm. what are you looking for in a coach when they are wanting to be a part of the program that you're leading? Yeah, uh, that, you know, I think we'd both agree it, they, got, they have to be a relationship builder. I mean, first and foremost, they can have all the X's and O's all day long, but if they can't build a relationship or maintain a relationship, with their students and their fellow colleagues. And when I say fellow colleagues, coaches, teachers, administrators, if they can't do that, then they're, they're not, they don't, they're not gonna make it, in my opinion, in interscholastic you know, athletics and academics. Uh, the second thing that is very important to me uh, is the ability to solve problems. That is critical. No matter what the problem is, you have, you have, a, you have a student that, that can't get to practice because of transportation issues, can you solve that problem? You have a student that's not going to class, can you work with that teacher and solve that problem? Uh, you have a student that wants to, be, wants to uh, participate in the band and your particular sport, can you solve that problem? 
they have to be problem solvers uh, because when you're dealing with a district this size and an athletic department this size, we can't just jump in on every scenario and solve problems. Just like I would assume your teachers in, in the classroom, they've got to be able to solve the problem so that their students can be successful in the classroom. Those would be the two most important factors that I, that I look for when it comes to coaching relationships and then problem solving. Okay. Who are your, uh who are your biggest influences in your life, both personally and professionally? Uh, personally, that's my mom. I mean, that's, that's a no-brainer. I'm a mama's boy, um, born and raised. Um, um, she, she's been everything to me. My, my uh, biological father passed, passed away um, a while ago, and, uh, you know, she had the burden of, of raising me up. And so still to this day, she's, she's my biggest fan. And, and to have what you talk about, wisdom, that type of wisdom, you know, in, in, in her life and how she uh, pours into me from time to time is is instrumental. Um, professionally, uh, Houston Nutt. Uh, Houston Nutt, um, again, I started working with the Razorbacks in 1995. Um, I would never been, become a Division One football coach if it wasn't for someone like Houston Nutt that took the time uh, to open the doors and let me come in and learn the game so I can coach the college game with, it, with not having the opportunity to play because I wasn't good enough to play, you know, athletically, physically. And to see how he balanced his family and, and college coaching, uh, still to this day, we, we still talk. And he's probably the most influential because I, I would not be in my career where I am if it wasn't for him. You know, offline, I got to have a conversation. I was wondering if you were around when, because uh, you know I'm a Husker, I'm going back to Nebraska yeah. when Houston was uh, figured in for the Nebraska job yeah. when <laughs> uh, that Bill Callahan ended up getting, yeah. I think it was. Were you around that yeah, time? Yeah, the, uh, the Nebraska team plane was was at, uh, up there at, um, well, no, I think it was probably down here. I can't think of the name of the airport right now, the, the one here locally in Fable. But that team plane, I think, was on the tarmac for, for a little bit waiting to potentially take, take Houston up to Nebraska. Wow. Well, At least that was the that was the that, that was, was what the I remember rumor. from that time. <laughs> well, it's been so interesting just living in Fayetteville next to you know a major Division One university because you know like literally right across mm -hmm. the street. Um, you know, I've just heard the stories. Uh, of, you know, before I got here, when you have Nick Saban walking the halls recruiting one of your athletes you know all of these for the, for those of us who are really into sports when you hear Nick Saban yeah you like wait a second Nick Saban it wasn't a recruiter no it was Nick Saban walking your halls you've just had to have seen like every possible thing with and even with Brett Bielema up the street and all of the history of the University of Arkansas I mean do you ever just stop and think about that sometimes like I can't believe that I've had this experience, and what what I mean, what what is your thought process like when you think about those things? You know, I, that's that's a great that's a great feel good question, Jay. Because when I look back on my professional life and personal life, I, I am a blessed man, and I look back on you know I had the opportunity to coach in two SEC championship games, six bowl games. Um, the pageantry of SEC, the old SEC as I call it. I, I got to coach in each one of those venues um, and to see all that goes into SEC football really was a dream come true. 
but to be back up here at Fayetteville, literally, as you say, across the street from the University of Arkansas, where those relationships, connections, a lot of those people are still uh, at the university, just in different roles, you know, administrative roles mainly now. It's a, it's a special, special feeling uh, to be involved in that. Um, it's also, you get to see some things that normally people wouldn't see. So I'm gonna tell you a story, um, and this is, this is, I saw the picture, and I still might have it somewhere, uh, but when Nick Saban was here recruiting Akil Byers, um, a great defensive lineman that, that played for us a few years back, you know, he walked the halls and all that. But on an official visit for Akil and his mom, uh, they were in his office, and this is this kind of reminded me, no matter who you are or what you're doing, relationships matter, connections matter. Um, I guess this was a request that um, Akil's mom wanted a picture of her laying on his couch in the office with her feet on his lap. And so there is a picture of <laughs> Coach Nick Saban right there, her feet's on his lap, her head's on the other end, and they're both smiling, and they take a picture. <laughs> and I thought, you know what, that's, that's kind of a, a, just a little small example of no matter where you are or what you're doing or what level you're doing it at, Connecting with people, making them feel special, and enjoying that is the key to success. That's awesome. I got to I got to see that picture. I'll get it for point. you. I get it for you. I've got it somewhere. So believe it or not, we got about five minutes left oh, wow. in this conversation. I told yeah. you it would fly. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to kind of lump uh, two questions in uh, into one and see if uh, see if you can come up uh, with something here, but. So you've read my book, you've seen, and we, I've been very transparent just about my own leadership journey, but one of the, the things that we talk about is curating and uh, cultivating all of these experiences that you've had over your entire career. I mean, you've shared some stories today. Um, this one's a little bit different in that, you know, what's that, what's that, maybe that one story or a couple of moments that really helped you feel like, you know what, I'm in the right spot. You know, I, for me, looking at the outside at you, I think of the other night when you're on stage standing next to your son as he's walking across and he's getting his diploma. I think of that like, you know what, I, that happened to me with my daughter when she walked across, like, this is why I do it. This is, this is a great opportunity. What, what are some of those moments or stories that really might resonate with others to say, you know what, this is the right fit for me. What Do you have any of those that you could share? Well, I, I'll, I'll specifically just talk about um, education. Since I've been in interscholastic educational-based athletics, uh, the people I've come in contact with, uh, not only, you know, just students, coaches, but administrators like yourself, you, you it, it kind of humbles you that um, you, you get to have conversations, you get to develop, plan, and then execute these uh, opportunities that students years from now will look back on and say, if I hadn't had that, I wouldn't be where I am. You know, like for me talking about Houston, if I didn't have that experience, if I didn't have that opportunity, if I didn't meet Houston, if I didn't meet Dr. Dostal, if I didn't meet one of our coaches, I wouldn't be where I'm at. What I love about our profession, Jay, is that it is, it is ongoing and the fruits of our labor will continue to refresh and renew
renew our energy and our mindset as we go deeper into our career. You know, I think we, we talked a little bit offline, you know, we're seeing people transition out of it right now. And I think a pandem the pandemic was a big part of that. We're, su we're still seeing ramifications of the pandemic unpacking and getting out of that, moving back to normal scenarios and situations. But I would just encourage people, this is a profession that can reward you when you're sitting all alone by yourself and you get that one text from a former student or a text from a fellow teacher or administrator. It just warms your soul to get that. Uh, and then also to see your impact live out through others as they go on in their life. Like the, just, just what we experienced Thursday night. Me and you on the same stage with my son getting his diploma. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's an extremely special moment that I think being involved in the education uh, profession allows you to, to experience those that almost on a yearly basis. Absolutely. It's, it's almost as if it, uh, it's renewing and re-energizing, but you have, to, you have to look for those moments because there's a lot of muck yeah. that goes along with the job, and that can easily wear you down. But if you look hard enough, you can find those little nuggets that will carry you through the rest of the day, the rest of the month, rest of the school year. I mean, I, I truly believe those are there. And to be honest with you, because we're at the end of time, this has kind of been that nugget for me because I know you and I have had conversations before. We never did anything formal like a podcast, but um, you know, I'm going to publicly thank you for the past four years. You have made me a better leader just, just through the dialogue. I mean, and for those of you who are listening to this, Steve and I have had some knockdown, drag out arguments just about how the way we operate. You know, I'm looking at it from an academic standpoint. Steve's looking at it from an athletic standpoint. But the one thing that I've always appreciated and admired about you is even though we might be uh, radio silent for a couple days, we always come back and we always come together and we make the right decision because we have the best interests of everybody involved. And uh, I think that speaks a lot to our friendship, our relationship. And uh, even though I might be moving away, we're always going to be a phone call, a Zoom call away. And uh, I appreciate you, man. No, I appreciate you. And, and that's... that's there's no doubt that I'm going to stay connected with you because uh, you have such, your wisdom and knowledge has really, I don't know where it was, whenever that <laughs> statement was, but it's, it's catching up and it's, 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 uh, it's, it's pretty impressive. The biggest compliment that I can, I can tell you, and I shared with you this uh, offline a while back, is that 100% you're leaving this place better than you found it. Uh, I appreciate and, that. Um, it's, we did it together, though. It's, we're we're and a it's team. It's been fun. I'm, yeah. I'm a better I'm a better person, um, and 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 I'm definitely a better administrator from from serving alongside of you, brother. That's awesome. Thank you. Appreciate you. So that is the end of this episode of the Own Your Epic podcast. Uh, I want to thank Steve Jansky for uh, spending some time sharing his perspectives from the seat that he's in here at uh, Fayetteville High School, Fayetteville Public Schools. Uh, look him up on uh, on Twitter. I mean, he's got some great stuff out there. And if you ever have questions about athletic administration, this guy is top shelf. And I would arguably say he's probably one of the best dressed <laughs> athletic directors I've ever seen as well. But uh, thank you all again for joining us on this episode and stay tuned for the next one. Talk to you all soon. Thank you for joining me on today's podcast. To find out more about Own Your Epic, 
check out my website at ownyourepic.blogspot.com where you can purchase my book or subscribe to all the latest blog and podcast updates. Until next time, own your epic and share your voice and your story. It matters and can make a difference in the lives of others.